When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show on this overreaction Monday. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number at Dan Grasso on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Got two Monday night games tonight that we're keeping our eyes on. Titans and Bills knotted up at 7. That is early in the second quarter. And then in a half hour from now, you got the Birds and you got the Vikings in Philadelphia. So you got a little Monday night football double dip here in week number two. So plenty of football. The football season, of course, never sleeps when it's off and running. And we're not, of course, complaining about that. Mets and Brew Crew scoreless in the second inning. Scherzer back on the mound tonight for the Amazons. As far as the Giants, you know what? Hey, here's the bottom line. I'm going to simplify this for you. Nice and easy. Two games played. Grand total of four points, but you know what? It's two wins, and that's all you should concern yourself with if you're a Giant fan. You're 2-0. You've done what you're supposed to do. I don't care how good or how bad the opposition was. You won the football games, right? And on a day that was as good a Sunday as we've had in, like, forever in this town with our teams, Giants maybe was the least impressive out of the four yesterday or certainly like the less the least headline grabbing but are you really caring about that if you're a giant fan like do you do do you really care how 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 pretty or how ugly it was you won the game you just keep on winning and you know what you could look at it a different way and say "I, i i admire the fact that they're winning these close games i admire the fact that they're able to focus late in football games when it's only one score that's deciding and that one play, one mistake can be the difference in a football game. And we're finding a way to come out on top. Wins still count even if they're ugly. You know, they don't go bad if they're only by a point or if they're by two points. They all count the same. You want to bank as many as possible because then when November and December rolls around and the games you hope carry on a little bit greater of importance, you got enough wins there then those games are going to matter. And it was the home opener. It was a beautiful day yesterday out there. The place was packed. And you had the good vibes that were starting early, right? You force a fumble on the opening kickoff, recover that. Carolina's first drive offensively. The defense forces a fumble. You recover that. Now, unfortunately, you would have liked to seen the offense maybe put one of those in the end zone. Instead, they had to settle for field goals. But there's nothing wrong with takeaways. You know, stealing a possession here and there. That's the name of the game. And I thought the defense yesterday, let's give credit where credit is due. You know, for a unit that was banged up, a unit that was playing once again without Ojolari, without Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams gets hurt in the second half of that game and he has to leave. For them to do what they did and to keep that Carolina team at bay for the most part, I think was outstanding. And that's a credit to the coaching staff. That's a credit to Wink Martindale's unit. It's a credit to Brian Dayball, of course. And, you know, I think one of the things we discussed going into the game last week was Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey was MIA last week for Carolina in that game against Cleveland. He only had 14 touches in that game. 
Yesterday he had 19. I thought it was going to be even more than that. And that's a testament to the Giants, I thought. You know, because McCaffrey, aside from that one run, when he had like the 50-yard run or whatever it was late in the game, they kind of kept him in check. You know, he just was okay. The majority of his production came on that one lousy play. So I think that the defense did its job in, in slowing up a guy who, make no mistake about it, was the number one playmaker on that football game, uh, on that football team. You know, Daniel Jones, certainly he is going to be a constant source of evaluation for this team all season long by the coaches, by the fans, by the media, right? He's got to make a statement. I thought he played a good game. And most importantly, turnover-free football game. What's the job of the quarterback? Get your team in the end zone, which he did, and walk off the field victorious, which he did. And if you want to put a little third one in there, no turnovers, boom. Wasn't flashy, wasn't pretty. I thought the fact that, you know, on that bootleg in the fourth quarter when the Giants were trying to ice the game and get a fresh set of downs on that third down, he rolled right, nothing was there down the field. He saw a little bit of a hole, used his mobility, ran for the first down, and that essentially sealed the game. So, I mean, it's not anything to where you say right now, definitively, that's my quarterback for the next 10 years. I still think that the jury is out, and you're going to get even more information in the coming weeks. But for now, he's done everything that you probably asked him to do if you're a Giant fan or this coaching staff. Graham Gano's been outstanding. They don't win the game yesterday without him. Booting all four of his field goals, a couple of them 50-plus yarders. Close games. Kick here, kick there, that could be the difference. Giants, he made all of his kicks. And that's why we're sitting here talking about a 2-0 football team. The one thing that we're still trying to figure out, and the one mystery that is coming out of East Rutherford, is the situation involving Kenny Galladay. Because yesterday he barely played. He was on the field for two snaps, two. And think about how much money that they are paying this guy. And I understand it's not this current regime. This is another Dave Gettleman special. What's his cap at this year? 21-something million dollars. And he was on the field for two snaps. This is a guy who I thought was a primo free agent. Maybe not to the money that the Giants paid him, but still. Thought he was a difference maker. Liked his game in Detroit all those years. And instead, David Sills is a guy taking his spot in this offense. David Sills. Head coach, make no mistake about it. He's telling you, he's sending a message to that whole locker room. Hey, guys, I don't care where you were drafted. I don't care what your signing bonus is. I don't care what you might have done earlier in your career. Everybody's getting a clean slate right now. We might as well be an expansion team, and you're all first-year players in this league. And it's going to be a meritocracy. The guys who put in the work guys who are available on the practice field, the guys who earn the right to play each and every Sunday are going to be the ones who are out there getting the majority of the reps. And right now, Galladay is not that guy. Remember, last week it was Kadarius Toney who only played seven snaps, and we're wondering, all right, what's up with him? Played a little bit more yesterday, not a ton, really didn't factor all that much in the offense, but now Galladay's the one who you wonder where things fit with him. Here was Brian Dayball after the game yesterday, was asked about the situation involving the wide receivers, specifically Galladay, and Dayball said, you know what? Best ones are going to be the ones that we play. It's going to be a continual competition. Kadarius had opportunities today. 
and you know we'll see what it is next week. Maybe it's Slayton, maybe it's more KG. We'll we'll see where we go with that. But I think we're just gonna that position. It, we're gonna just keep on rolling, guys, and um, play the guys that week we think would give us the best chance. And the other guys got to be ready to go as backups. Love it, love it. That's like music to your ears if you're a Giant fan. Forget about being a Giant fan. A coach of any, that's what you want to hear from your coach. He doesn't care about all the garbage. He doesn't care about all the politics. You know what? He's going to play the best guys. The ones most deserving are the ones that are going to play. And that is such a breath of fresh air. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, has Dayball not passed like every test with flying colors so far? I know it's only two games into the season. But what more do you need to see from this guy if you're a Giant fan in a head coach that you haven't gotten already. You know, certainly as these games intensify and, and the level of importance increases as we move through the season, yeah, that's one thing. But so far, I mean, we know that he's aggressive. He even stayed aggressive yesterday in that football game. And winning two close games is a really, really good sign. His team did not wilt down the stretch of a football game. Games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. Browns wilted yesterday. Ravens wilted yesterday. The Raiders wilted in the second half of that football game. Giants have passed those tests two weeks in a row. Giants passed them. And that's a good sign, and that's a reflection of coaching. Really and truly is. Now, look, has it been perfect? No. I mean, he'll be the first one to tell you there's things to clean up from yesterday. There's things to clean up, certainly, in the first two games of the season. I mean, this team on third down so far is like 8 for 28. Got to be better than that. Got to be a lot better than that. I mean, that's almost like, what, like 30% on the year. You're going you're gonna to score points? You want to score points? You want to win games? You got to sustain more drives than that. And Giants got to be able to start a little bit faster, too. I know that they've won these two games, but they've only scored six points in the first half so far this season. Six points. And that was yesterday. Two field goals. But all in all, you got to be happy. And now you got the Cowboys coming in on Monday night. Get an extra day. Maybe, just maybe, you get some of these injured bodies back, especially on defense. Cooper Rush, off of that big win yesterday, down in Dallas. Big-time national TV game, Monday Night Football. It's a game you're a Giant fan, you're going to expect them to win, right? And now you're thinking 3-0. and Now you're thinking, hey, maybe we could do something. You know, that's one thing, the schedule, when you looked at the opposition and what we perceive those teams to be, there was some opportunity in the first 10 weeks for the Giants. Imagine you get by Cooper Rush, and then you got the Bears coming in who aren't good in week number four at home. I know you got to look before you can leap, but is 4-0 really out of the question if you're a Giant fan? And who would have thought we would be talking about that? 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. And, and on the flip side, real quick, before I get back to the phones, Carolina is a mess. And, and let me just say, so I'm not going to hide from it, I thought Matt Rule was going to be a really, really good coach in the NFL. I said it many, many times. I thought he was going to be a, a stud on this level. And it just hasn't worked out. I mean, this Carolina team has lost nine in a row going back to last year. And, I mean, the people down there in Carolina, they've had it. They've had it. He's on the hot seat. They want him gone yesterday. I mean, how many different – you know, the excuse, I guess, that he's been able to parlay into, you know, keeping his job and everything is that, you know, he's gone through how many different quarterbacks since he's been the head coach down there in this league. 
right? How many different starting quarterbacks? He's entered his three seasons or whatever, what, with three different QBs. That's not conducive to winning. And Baker Mayfield yesterday, you know, say what you want about him. That giant defense is playing at less than full capacity yesterday, and they got nothing, nothing going on offense. Absolutely nothing. And he's got playmakers. You know, you look at DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you got, you know, Robbie Anderson is a decent player. He's got some weapons to work with, and they got nothing offensively. Nothing. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Spike. He's in St. Pete. Up next here on 98.7. Spike, good evening. How are you? Hey, Danny. Uh, did a nice job yesterday. The vagaries of the game yesterday are almost inexplainable. I think you said 99.9. Yeah. And the, but but I, I, listen, I'm a, a hoops and a, a baseball guy, and I, I like football too, but I'm going to throw one at you as a comparison. Just take out the time it occurred. Mm-hmm. When they were down, whatever they were, with no timeouts, and, and, and it reminded me of game six, San Antonio-Miami, um, uh, when the fans left. Remember that one? Yeah, when, when Popovich didn't have Tim Duncan in on the foul yeah, shot he, to get a rebound, and then instead, yeah, uh, you know, Miami got an offensive it. rebound and then threw out to Ray Allen for a three. Uh, you got it exactly right, and it took uh, Pop a whole year to get back and rectify that. So you never know when it's over. He said it was his mistake going back to that situation with Pop. But uh, Rick Barry insisted this day, if you watch, I've watched that a hundred times, Ray Allen walked. He never dribbled the ball getting back to the three-point. I have to back. go back and watch yeah. that. I don't remember that part of it, but i got to go check that one out one more time. Yeah, check, check that out. But <laughs> you got to know what Rick Barry is. So here's, here's the way I see it. With all the, you know, the, the uh, impossible ways and the inconsistency and a, and a vagary coming up like that, that's, you know, inexplicable. That's the definition. Inexplicable. It still took a brain freeze on, for the defensive. I'd love to know this. And, and I'm happy, real happy for my friends, Ira and Buddha. I'm really happy that the Jets won. But you have to go back, and they have those parabolic microphones, and see if the defensive coordinator and, and the coaches say, you know, if you break one open, don't go in. If you break one open, don't go in. Going out of bounds is the second best thing and certainly taking a knee. But all in spite of that, I was shocked and happy for my friends and myself, I don't root against the Jets, that they were able, the Jets were able to play hard. Uh, the coach made a lot of mistakes again yesterday. I don't know if he's going to be an H.C., but he made a lot of mistakes, and everything went their way, and I'm happy for those guys. And I'll leave you with this. you got to keep Flacco in there. You got Wins are the most important thing. I know he's the future if he ever, you know, gets settled, the kid. But Flacco played a brilliant game, a brilliant last two minutes. And that's his experience and those drop passes. Listen, you can't figure it out any better than that. And I did think, and Mark from Newark mentioned it on a, on a, on a show the other day. He said he thought he was going to take a knee, too. You mentioned it didn't cross your mind. And, that, you know, that's just difference in, in philosophies. You're working your butt off calling the game. But I even heard it in Buttle's voice on the post. I mean, you've got to know what to do. You just do. 
You got to know how many timeouts are left. It was just a – it was really intriguing. And I do think the Miami game, uh, that last caller that mentioned it, it was different. But uh, was it two was coming out party? Well, you know what? I'll tell you, maybe the first two weeks are, Spike. And thanks for the phone call. See, and we'll get into the, the whole around the league stuff coming up uh, in the next hour. But here's one thing about Tua. Now, yesterday he had his gaudy statistical game, right? Where he threw for over 400 yards. What was it? Five touchdowns. You know, something crazy. But the thing you say about Tua so far in his NFL career right now, the guy's a winner. I know that it always hasn't been pretty. I know it hasn't been flashy. I know that a lot of these other quarterbacks are putting up the big, gaudy numbers. But you know what is doing? He's winning games. He's winning football games. And maybe this is the right marriage for him. You know, Mike McDaniel, the new coach, and Tua, maybe he's in the right system, the right philosophy, playing to his talents. Dolphins are going to be intriguing. I mentioned it earlier. Dolphins-Bills coming up this week. It's going to tell us a lot. Tell us a lot about Miami and how far they've come along and how far Tua's come along, too, certainly. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We come back. I'm curious, you know, to the Giant fan, you're 2-0. Schedule is playing out now the next couple of weeks, we told you, to some opponents that maybe you think that you should get the better of. Are your expectations changing in any way, or are you still looking at this thing a little bit more rational, a little bit more calm and saying, yeah, I think we got to wait a little bit longer before I can really start to go all in. Dan Grasso Show. We roll till 10 right here, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I thought he played a good game. I thought he made great decisions with the football in his hands. He took care of it. He led the team down again um, to finish off a drive to win the game. So that's two good weeks, I'd say, for, for Daniel. Uh, made the right decision, took care of the ball when there was pressure on him. Threw it away if he needed to throw it away. And then took off on that last naked there to get the first down to... Uh, he could have done a lot of different things. And he made the right decision under pressure in a critical situation. And he's taking steps, and I'm happy for him. That's Brian Dayball, 2-0, starting his head coaching tenure with the New York football giants. Dan Gross's show here on 98.7 ESPN. And, and as I said earlier about Daniel Jones... He's won two games, played a mistake-free football game yesterday, at least in terms of turnovers, which unfortunately when you say Daniel Jones, like if you go into thesaurus and you look up Daniel Jones, turnover is the first word that appears right next to his name. So the fact that we're not sitting here saying that that is what clouded his performance, I think is a step in the right direction. Now normally those aren't things that we associate with fourth-year quarterbacks because you would hope 
by that point in their careers and having played X amount of games and how many seasons under their belt, that that's something maybe that they can eliminate from their game. But it's now part of that evaluation. It's part of that whole package when you talk about the giant quarterback as far as his new bosses view him. And if he's going to want to stick around as the giant quarterback beyond 2022, he's going to have to have a lot more days like yesterday. Which, you know, if you can, if you can spread out a yesterday performance for 15 more games, fans will take it. And I think that the organization would take it too. Right? Winning is the bottom line. Winning's the name of the game. Remember, look at what the t- – and I'm not making this comparison between the two players, but the way Tennessee looked at Ryan Tannehill, who stepped in when Mariota got hurt, took the job a couple of years ago, took the Titans to the championship game. Yes, I know that they relied heavily on Derrick Henry and the running game, but they saw enough good things for Tannehill thinking the way our team is currently made up, this guy's the perfect fit to be the quarterback, perfect – guy to run the ship and that's why they signed him to that extension maybe the Giants look at Daniel Jones the same way and they're not done over overhauling this roster that's evident you know they had no cap space to do anything with this roster you're going to start to see some movement and some some real seasoning here when it comes to the personnel I think once you get the next offseason question remains is will the quarterback be a part of it Chris and Beth Page up next 98.7 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Very good, Dan. And by the way, excellent breakdown of the Giant game. And I know you were doing the Jets game. You were heavily involved in that. But I get kudos to you for obviously you went home and watched the, the Giant game and you broke it down perfectly. You really did. You make great observations. And um, I will say this, as a huge Giant fan, which I am, um, I have a couple things that I liked, but a couple things that disturb me a little bit. And... Uh, to answer your question of, like, should Giant fans want to take that leap or whatever, I'm not quite ready to go there yet because I'll tell you what. I listen to Carl Banks. I watch the games, but I listen mm-hmm. to Carl Banks. To me, he has a Ph.D. in Giantology. He knows everything about the team. It's scary. Carl's how, great. How well-versed yep. he is. So, anyhow, I'm listening to him yesterday in the first quarter, and he's very – he's telling Bob Papa, he's like, you know, Bob, I'm noticing this, and it's not good. Our interior line, the Giants' interior line, is getting manhandled. And he goes, that's an issue. And, you know, they, I know they started a rookie from North Carolina on the left, but the two guys they brought in as free agents, Feliciano and Glowinski, they, you know, they were just getting manhandled up the middle, and Carolina seemed to know that. So Barkley couldn't run up the middle. He couldn't run. So then they were forced to, like, kind of roll out and do things with Daniel Jones that, you know, they they – Against Tennessee, they were able to get away with it because Barkley had such a great game. Um, but anyhow, what I'm a little bit worried about is the interior of the line. That seems to be a weakness. And Carl Banks pointed it out. So, I, you know, another thing Carl Banks did say, though, he goes, the good thing about the second half is their defense played so well in the second half that they were able to put the giant offense back out there sooner rather than later and kind of wear down Carolina's team, which was a good observation on his part. Well, that's what I thought happened with Barkley. Because, remember, Barkley didn't get anything going in that first – I mean, the first half he was very, very quiet. Negative four yards. Negative four yards. And he finally got more involved there in the second half. Now, that could be a couple of things. It could be number one. You know, it could be a situation where they wore down Carolina a little bit. But I also think that – 
you know, maybe there are some different things that as you get to the second half of a football game from a schematic standpoint. Now, I haven't, I didn't watch the All-22 yet for the Giant game, so I don't know what was open, what wasn't. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could go about dissecting a defense. But it was good to see a guy like Barkley in the second half start to do something, Chris, because let's be honest, he's the best player on this offense. He's going to have to be the guy that, you know, if the Giants are going to surprise this year and do some good things, he's going to have to be a big part of this thing. 100% correct, and, you know, no doubt about it, and they're going to need them, you know, come up big against the Cowboys, obviously. Um, just one other thing I will say, and which, you know, I've been telling all my friends today at work, we're all big Giant fans. I said, you know what the best offseason acquisition or that they added to the team among Dable with Shane, everything, mm-hmm. you know, whoever they added, I tell you, Wink Martindale as that defensive coordinator, what a breath of fresh air this guy was. You know, he was playing six, sometimes seven, secondary players in the second half when he, he was adjusting and it was kind of fooling. If you saw the end of the game, they almost had a near sack on him. And then Julian Love had the biggest, probably the biggest play of the game. He came in unfettered and uh, it, it was brilliant. I rewatched it a couple of times. He was, he was scheming like unbelievably. And uh, when he gets those two Ojolari and Thibodeau back, I think he's going to be a mad scientist. So I, I love the addition of Wink Martin. Though. I love this guy. He got a li- he's got a little bit. And Chris, thanks for the phone call. Well, first of all, when it comes to playing all the DBs yesterday, I-, I think what went into that was stopping Christian McCaffrey. Because think about at the end of the game yesterday. Well, not at the end of the game, but in that fourth quarter. Um, when McCaffrey broke off that long 50-yard run, who was the guy who tracked him down from behind? It's Fabian Moreau, right? And that's a defensive back. You know, little have an extra speed on the field in that situation might have helped save you the game. Because if Carolina gets into the end, if, if McCaffrey scores and gets into the end zone, maybe we're not sitting here talking about a giant victory. And when you talk about a guy like that, who you need to slow down, he's the focal point. Of, just like Barkley being the focal point of the giant offense, McCaffrey, of course, is the focal point of Carolina's and then some. He's a dude you got to make sure you can bring down. And bigger guys, he's going to be able to run past, run around, juke out. You hope the DBs are going to be a little bit more fleet of foot to be able to neutralize a guy like that. And I think to a certain extent it worked. Like, you know, the numbers are gaudy, right? If you play fantasy and all those things and you have McCaffrey, you probably had a decent day with him because he had over 100 yards from scrimmage. But like half of that all came on that one run, right? Came on the one run. So the plan worked out. And Wink Martindale... Look, you know his defenses in Baltimore had a lot of success. He's almost, you know what he's got a little bit of, he almost has a little bit of Greg Williams in him to a certain degree. Maybe not entirely. You know, the former Jet defensive coordinator who's kind of, hey, make no mistake about it. I'm not trying to tease you. I'm not trying to fool you. This is what we do. We blitz. This is who we are. We're coming after you. You know, and guys like that maybe have, not an unlimited shelf life in one place because, you know, they're very brash. They're very, like, in your face. They kind of speak their mind and whatnot. And that message, it's galvanizing at first. Maybe after a couple of years, it starts to wear thin, especially if you're a guy in that locker room and you've heard the same thing and it becomes almost like, you know, it feels like you're being, like, disciplined in a way. At first, it's great. It's a novelty. But then after a while, it's like, okay, I'm done with this, dude. Like, I'm good. And that's what happened with Greg Williams here with the Jets. I mean, you know, that was a messy divorce. But for the first year, it was great. It's fantastic. 
800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll go around the league coming up at 9 o'clock, go through all the games. When we return, though, more of your phone calls on the football. We've got to get into the baseball. And Aaron Judge and the pursuit of history, it is continuing in full force this week back here in the Bronx. Dan Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Overreaction Monday. In full swing, Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Taking it around until 10 o'clock, Gordon and Larry will take it the rest of the night. Get me on Twitter, at Dan Gross at GRACA. We got a score in Milwaukee with the Metropolitans. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, connecting off of the reigning Cy Young winner in the National League. Corbin Burns, a three-run monster shot, as I just tweeted out, landed, I think, in Green Bay, maybe in the Lambeau Field parking lot, for crying out loud. Three-run Jack, three-zip Mets over the Milwaukee Brewers in the top of the fourth inning. Max Scherzer making his first start in a couple of weeks off the injured list tonight, and he is cruising along. He is perfect through three innings, just 33 pitches, and you know that Scherzer is not going to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game tonight because the Mets aren't going to let him complete the game. They're going to bring him along slowly, of course. You know, it's all about October, and he is probably going to be somewhere in the – I would say maybe in the 60, 70 range in terms of the pitch count. So I would say maybe only a couple of more innings if you're talking about Max Scherzer tonight, but we shall see. But he staked to a 3 nothing lead nonetheless in an all-important game for the Mets, who've got a one-game lead over the Atlanta Braves in the division. And Atlanta are playing the lowly Washington Nationals tonight, starting a series at home, and the Bravos have a 4 nothing lead as they go to the fifth inning. So it looks like, at least with the Atlanta side of things, that it's going to be status quo in the National League East. As far as the Yankees are concerned, they're off tonight, but the judge stuff is its own story in and of itself. I know that there's an outside chance that the Yankees could maybe lose their stranglehold on the American League East. I get it, but I don't think it's going to happen. You know, they have a nice, comfortable lead, and uh, there have been teams that have blown leads. You know, Mets, remember in 2007, the seven-game lead, 17 to play. I get all that stuff. Yankees have 16 games left, and they've got about a six-game lead in the AL East. I think they'll be fine. I think that they're in no danger of losing it. But when you have Judge put together a performance like yesterday, and, you know, we were tied up with the football, so we're not watching the baseball, obviously. But when he finally had a hit, not one, not two, 
And then when you actually see some of the highlights and you dive into the game when you get home at night, you realize he almost had a third one. He hit a frozen rope that went right off the top of the fence that easily could have been number three. So he's at 59. He's in really, really good shape. And it's not a question of if but when that he is going to be able to stand alone in terms of American League home run hitters in the history of baseball, not just history of baseball, Yankee history, of course. And it is kind of cool. Like, imagine being Aaron Judge, like you wake up this morning, and the thought pops into your head. Like, when I woke up this morning, the thought popped into my head. It's like, Jay, i got to take out the garbage. Aaron Judge, he woke up, and it probably dawned on him that, geez, in the history of baseball, over a century, the only two guys in the history of the American League that have hit more home runs than me this year are Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. That's pretty cool. You know, that's one of those, like, your feet don't touch the ground as you're just going about your day. And he's had a lot of these moments, of course. But this now one being the latest. And, you know, I think the day off does him good. Recharge the batteries a little bit. And then you got the Pirates coming into town for two games. And you got to figure that, you know, you're going to be able to do some damage against that pitching. That team certainly has been struggling this year, and you saw the Mets just get done with sweeping them four games at City Field. I was out there on Saturday night, and, you know, they, they just, they're, they're going through the motions right now. Now, you just don't want to get lulled to sleep, but there's a shot the judge can maybe do this while the Pirates are in town, and just for two games. Now, if you want, like, the poetic justice, maybe it's when Boston is the opponent, when they ride in this weekend. And remember, I think it's, you know, been well-documented. Thursday night's game is on Fox. Friday night's game is on Apple TV+. Plus. So it's not going to be with your normally, uh, normal announcers. You know, Michael's not going to be calling the game on the TV side on Thursday and Friday. You're going to have national TV broadcasts, which might take some of the, the, the luster of it away. But maybe you don't even have to wait till Thursday. Maybe he gets this thing done in the next couple of days. Like, right, if I'm a betting man right now, I got a feeling that, I think Judge might tie Maris sometime in the next two nights with Pittsburgh. I can see him hitting a home run on Tuesday, home run Wednesday. And then he's at 61 going into the Boston series, which then you're only one swing of the bat away from making history, and that's the one that people are going to care about. You know, because that's the record, and that's the, the one that's going to be played time and time and time again till the end of time for history. You know, when Ken Burns does his next whatever, you know, document series of baseball, which is very, very good, by the way. But when he does his, like, next chapter, like, that's going to be something that's included there. And I don't know how you feel about it to me. And some people are throwing cold water on it. Like my buddy Russo, he's not getting all worked up um, because of the steroids thing. And he thinks that some of these records are now you know, not as special as they once were because of what Bonds and McGuire and Sosa did once upon a time. But that's why I think that this is unique with Judge in, 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 in the aspect of it being an American League mark, right? This is something that nobody is going to be able to take away from him. This is something that when you say, oh, Aaron Judge, you know, whatever he finishes the year at, let's say 65 home runs, whatnot, you say, well, if Aaron Judge, 65 home runs, he is the American League single-season record holder. There is not an asterisk to that. There is not any sort of gray area. That is something that is going to be legit, and it's going to be his, and it's going to be earned. And I think it's something that you should embrace as a baseball fan, as a sports fan. This is historical. I don't care what those guys did years ago with the steroids and with McGuire and with Bonds, and I do not view that as the home run record. 
me personally. Even more so that when Judge passes 61, that to me is going to be one hell of an achievement. I can't look at what McGuire and Sosa and Bonds did in those guys and think that it's real. I, I, I just can't. But I have like a unique kind of relationship when it comes to the performance-enhancing drugs era with baseball because I'm also the same guy that has digested this material and digested this information for a really, really long time, and I've kind of done a little bit of an about-face on it and how I interpret the whole thing. Like, I know I just got done saying that I don't consider that to be the record, the steroid guys. But in the next breath, you know what I also think is that when we talk about Hall of Fame and legacy for those guys, I'll also tell you that I do think they should be in the Hall of Fame. Why? And like I said, it took me a while. But if you go back and you trace that era of Major League Baseball, you don't have to be Kojak to figure out that the majority of the sport was doing something during those years, right? Pitchers, hitters, didn't matter. Majority of them were doing it. So if the majority of the sport is doing it, and we really don't know definitively who was and who wasn't. Like I said, there's some guys that stood out more than the rest, but others we just have no idea, and that's pitchers even. So if that's the case, you can't penalize an entire era of baseball for you know however long it lasted, 10, 15 years. You already got guys in the Hall of Fame that played in the steroid era that you may not think were doing anything, but do we really know 100%? That's why I say if the majority of the sport was using during those years, you might as well honor the guys that did it better than anybody else. Not cheating, but actually performed out there on the field better than anybody else. So yes, I don't acknowledge that to be the home run record, but I'm also not going to keep them out of the Hall of Fame either because at the end of the day, the Hall of Fame is a museum, folks, right? When you go to a, a museum, whether it's, you know, Museum of Modern Art, Museum of Natural History, whatever museum, you know, the Spam Museum, whatever, are you going to really sit there and take objection as to what's in it and what's not in it or who's in it and who's not in it? It's a celebration of baseball and the history of baseball. And those guys, whether you like them or not, whether they cheated or not, they're still some of the best players who ever put on a uniform. You can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. Right? You just can't. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Now, apart from the Aaron Judge stuff, what about the Yankees as a team as they ran out this regular season for the next couple of weeks. That and some Met thoughts, too, to close out this hour. We'll go around the league coming up at 9 o'clock. Week 2 in the NFL, as crazy as it was. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN on this overreaction Monday. Go around the league. Week 2 in the NFL coming up at the top of the hour. At 9 o'clock, still 3-0 Metropolitans over the Brewers as they go bottom five. Pete Alonzo with three-run jack off of Corbin Burns, supplying the only offense for the night. Washington actually got a couple of runs back from the Braves, so Atlanta has a 4-2 lead over the Nats going bottom five down there in Hotlanta. You know, the other thing about the Yankees, real quick, uh, apart from Aaron Judge, just in terms of, you know, them winning games, which is the most important thing, and making sure they get to the playoffs as division champions here, I know Garrett Cole got the win again yesterday, but, I mean, is he, is he somebody that, like, is, is really 
like paying off that $324 million investment. Is he? You know, you're in a 3 nothing deficit yesterday before you're in your seat. He gives up another home. You know, bottom line, I don't know if the Yankees are going to go to the World Series. I don't know if Cole's going to pitch in the World Series. But you know what? They should Major League Baseball should, should act fast and see if they can book Garrett Cole for the home run derby next year because he'd be perfect. He could be the guy that, you know, stands behind the, the fence there in the mound and, and throws BP to the guys in the home run derby because he's got a knack for it. That's his special gift. I mean, it's like every game he gives up multiple home runs. And there's going to be a time, especially when you get to October, when you're playing good teams that have good pitching and you're not going to be able to go out there and put six, seven, eight, ten runs on the board to where two home runs might cost you a win and might cost you your season. I mean, can the guy keep the damn ball in the ballpark? Is that too much to ask? $324 $324 million, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe he wanted $400 million. My gosh. I mean, what if the Yankee bats were quiet yesterday? And what if you didn't have a guy like Judge leading the charge? I mean, even <laughs> Aaron Hicks hit one yesterday. Think about that. I mean, Aaron Hicks, who can't get anything going. was good to see Rizzo back in there, though. Hopefully he's behind whatever you know was ailing him with the back and the headaches. Took one deep, had a few hits. It's another bat. That's another guy you want in there, of course, as you move on forward here through the month of September and then into October. But the Yanks are in decent shape. No panic just yet. Take care of these two games against the Pirates. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot. Look, I don't think that the Yankees should fear falling into a trap type of a situation with the Pirates in town because the fact that you have Judge on the precipice of history, the place is going to be packed There's going to be a ton of buzz in that ballpark as if it was like a real legit, you know, two teams battling for first place late in the season instead of a team that's, you know, 50 games under 500. So that alone is just going to add some juice into the ballpark that's not going to have these players maybe falling into a lull and falling asleep, just kind of like yawning, wake me when the playoffs start. We're playing the Pirates here in the middle of September uh, on a weeknight. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, let's say hi to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Richard, how are you? Dan, you know, I got to disagree with you. I don't yes. see what the rush in getting Wilson back. As long as Flacco's playing good, you're buying time. We know Wilson's the quarterback. We what do. The, I mean, the kid's, what, 21, 22? We do. We of do. Course, whether he's the quarterback for – you know, Richard, 600 Richard. games of 490 games, one or two games here or there is not going to matter. That he uh, Richard, play. here's the thing. We don't yeah. know. The Jets don't know what they have in Zach Wilson. But the it guy, be diff- it's not going to be different, Dan, whether you don't play him what, one or two. Oh, but, but Richard, you need every last, every last snap, every last game to determine what you have in Zach Wilson, 100%. I got news for you. If Zach Wilson does not wow this year, and there's doubts at the end of the season still, whether it's about his durability, when he plays, his ability to perform on the field. Jets are going to go out there and bring in another legitimate quarterback to compete with him in year number three. I guarantee you. I don't see it that way. I, I it's see it definitely happening. Well, all right, all right. I see it more like the uh, Kurt Warner, Eli Manning thing, you know? And when it's time, it will know it. Anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this situation, Dan. Forget about all the – and by the way, this game was great. 
for redemption for Joe Flacco and especially for Robert Sala. I feel so good for those guys. And I love Sala. I love the way he talked. I thought he was, uh, the media really overreacted last week and the fans really got on him. But it's understandable with the fans because, you know, they were just tired of not, not getting they it. They want to win. Anyway. Yeah, and it was great. And I really all right. Now forget about all the improbability at the end of the game. I mean, this was in my time. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Two touchdown passes with no timeouts left. A miss extra point. A uh, 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 onside kick recovery, which is almost impossible now. Yep. Those four things in a minute and a half, two minutes. It's crazy. All right. Let me explain, ask you this, Dan. Now yep. I may be nitpicking here. Before all the craziness happened, all right, you'll remember this. There were two and a half minutes left to go in the game. Mm-hmm. Jets are down 24-17. Mm-hmm. Now, just think normal. Don't think that anything crazy is going to happen. Right. Right. They're third and eight at their 10-yard line. You remember this, right? Third and eight at their 10? The Jets, Jets or the, the Browns you're talking about? The Jets. Jets had the ball. They had it at their own 10-yard line. Two and a half minutes left in the game. Cleveland yeah. still had the ball. No, the Jets did. No, remember didn't. when they didn't get the fourth? Third, third, he, Flacco threw a 30-yard out pass. That oh, didn't third, go. It, well, there was still more than two and a half minutes. There was like a, closer to three. Right. It was an incomplete okay. pass on third and eight at the 10. Right. Oh, okay. It was 245, let's say. Yeah. Now, first of all, I thought that was a terrible play call. Now, I would have gone for four or five yards and – I would have still went for it on fourth down, even though we would have been down at our 15. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I'm thinking normal now. If you punt the ball to them, you're down seven, you're giving them great field position. Now, time is really not a factor, but you're giving them great field position. They only got to go maybe 10, 15 yards for a field goal, and that's the game. Now they're up by 10, and the game is over. That's why I would have thought a little differently. I wouldn't have been so fast to give them the ball back. But, of course, on fourth and eight, you had to give it back. But I would have went for a third down, maybe four or five yards, and then on fourth and three, gone for it. And I think that might have been better than what they thought. But here's the problem, Richard, and I got to go because I got to hit the break here. Here's the problem. If If you don't get it, then the game is really over. Then they really lose. Then they're taking a knee and the game is over. I'll talk more about it when we come back on the other side. Plus, we go around the league to recap a wild week two in the NFL. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN.